Awesome. Well, you may not be aware of this. Um, as a church, you know, we uh, have our normal giving, our tithes and offerings, and, and that's what we fund everything that we do around here as a congregation. But you also know as a church, we tithe the first 10% that comes in. And we monthly, on a monthly basis, we support missionaries and, and missions organizations all around the world, about 60 of them. But our above and beyond giving, there's people in our congregation that say, you know what, I want to give more than that. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the world. We call that our kingdom builders. And through kingdom builders, we invest in projects with some of our partners all around the world. And one of those partners is Project 42, uh, which is an amazing ministry that's doing Bible translation. It's bring, sending missionaries into some of the hardest places in the world. Because you may not realize this, as he shared, there's 42% of the world that it's not that they have little access to the gospel. They literally have no access to the gospel. It isn't that they, you know, that, oh, there's not very many churches, that there isn't a church. There aren't believers there. And so we want to be a part of doing that. And so coming up in two weeks, uh, we have our, what we call our kingdom offering. We do kingdom builders all year long, and there's many of you that give all throughout the year. But once a year, we come before the congregation. We cast a vision, and we've, we've given over $100,000 already this year through kingdom builders. But there's a bunch of stuff that God still has put on our heart to be able to invest in this year. We've got some projects that our partners have given to us because we've asked, said, how can we help you? And they said, here's some ways that you can lean in and help this year. And on, on uh, November 20th, we'll be taking that special offering. So I want to challenge you, be here that Sunday on November 20th, prioritize that morning to at least be here. And would you have a prayerful and open heart to say, God, how could I be a part of things? If all of us just respond to what God asks of us, we can do miraculous things around here. And so we invite you to be a part of that on November 20th, all right? Cool. Well, I want to welcome all of you here this morning. I want to welcome those online as well as our first-time guests. Uh, I met a first-time guest here this morning already. And uh, if this is your first time, just know this. We're really, really glad you're here. I know it can be really hard to walk into a, a place you've never been before with people, strangers you've never met before. So it's just cool that you walk in the door. We're glad that you're here this morning. We're going to be continuing in a series that we've been in throughout the fall that we've called Kingdom Living as we are walking through what is, I think, Jesus' most famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. He walks through this whole teaching of what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? What do kingdom people look like? It's not what do church people look like, Okay. That's not what he's describing. Because some of us have met some church people like, I don't want to be like that person. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what do kingdom people, like people who call themselves followers of Jesus. And he challenges us over and over and over again through this passage. Every passage is like, oh man, this is challenging. Jesus is kind of raising the bar in a lot of areas. And so that's what's going on. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about prayer last Sunday. And, and I gave a tool out last week um, because it's a lot of people that struggle with prayer. Like it's a challenge. And, and we gave some... some, some a conversation about that. We gave a tool out. And I had a few people just talk about like, this week was the most I've ever prayed in my life. And I'm like, that's awesome. If you missed last Sunday, we gave out a little prayer guide, something that can help you in your personal life. There's high top tables as you walk out the door right here on both sides. There's still a few of these left. So if you want to grab one of those, I would encourage you to do that to help you in your prayer life. Uh, but this morning, we are going to be digging into the next section. It's like a two-week mini-series on money and possessions. And I know some of you are like, here we go right? Here we go. They always talking about money at church. I get it. Like it can be, it can be annoying sometimes. You feel like, man, all they do is talk about money. Churches can get a little over the top with that. But I want to say this, that I think we can do a disservice when we go the other way and we never talk about money. Why is that? Because other than the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke more about money and possessions than anything else. 
And so if we want to say we're going to be followers of Jesus, we should probably listen to what he has to say about that thing and be responsive to what he says. And so we're going to do that this week and next week. I would encourage you next week, don't miss, because we're going to talk about a principle next week that every single one of us needs in our life. It's so, so critical in our lives. This morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. So if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 19. Uh, and would you stand with me across the room as we read our primary text? If this is your first time, uh, there's nothing sacred about standing. It's what we do to honor God's word together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Father, uh, we don't like talking about money, and so we're going to be honest about that right now, but we pray, God, that you would give us open hearts, that we would listen to what you have to say about this, and we would respond to that and that alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Now, I don't know if you've heard, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's an election this week. I don't know, maybe you haven't heard that. Anybody else tired of watching commercials on television, right? You sick of that, right? Say that. Well, I'll say this just for a second. Uh, just pause for a moment. Everyone, if you are able to, vote, okay? That's your privilege as an American. Like, that's the privilege we have in this country. We get to be a part of this, okay? Prayerfully engage and vote. Uh, but people a lot of say, well, how does this interact? How does faith and politics interact? And I say this all the time. You shouldn't bring your politics to your faith, but you should always bring your faith to your politics, Okay? Because a lot of times we allow our politics to shape us more than our faith in Christ. And I think we should always say, okay, Christ, what have you called? What do you demand of me? All right, now I'm going to take that to politics. So this week, I would say you need to take what has Christ called you to? What does he speak? And say, God, help me give me wisdom as I step into this booth and I need to make a vote. God, would you guide me in this? And can we prayerfully say, God, lead us in that and, and pray that God would continue to lead and guide us as scripture teaches in our nation, all right? Uh, but I'm sick of the commercials. Like, I get sick of the commercials. Uh, and, and they're really, really frustrating for a couple of reasons. One is because they're so extreme, okay, right? I saw this past week, the trifecta. Maybe you've seen this before. Trifecta, three commercials in a row, all for the same candidate, okay? First commercial, they are Satan. Second commercial, they're the savior, Third commercial, they're back to being Satan again. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this candidate is not Satan nor a savior, okay? Neither of those. That's a little over the top, folks, okay? So it can kind of drive me crazy a little bit. But the other thing that frustrates me with commercials is how they always take things out of context in political commercials, right? They take one phrase that somebody says, and then they put it in black and white in demon music underneath of it, and like it makes it feel like you're a horrible human being, and everybody does it. Both sides do it. It just drives me crazy a little bit. But I tell you this all the time. We do the same thing to scripture, don't we? 
we grab stuff out of context, we don't know what it actually means, what else is being talked about, and then we miss the point of what's being communicated. And so I want to give us our context. Remember, we're going to look at the context of the passage that we're looking at today, this morning. So it says in Matthew that Jesus comes proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He comes proclaiming this good news of the kingdom of God, right? And he's claiming, he's, he's talking about the life and the hope and the joy and the peace and the salvation and the freedom that come in Christ. That's what he's talking about. And then we get to the Sermon on the Mount. It begins to walk through a number of elements. First, he talks about the ethics of the kingdom of God. Right? He gets to the Beatitudes. He talks about all these different attributes of what kingdom people look like. And then he talks about righteousness in the kingdom of God. What does it look like to do things according to his ways in the kingdom of God? And then last week, we talked about the spiritual practices of the kingdom of God, right? This idea of giving to those in need and prayer and fasting. He talks about that a little bit. And even last week, he talks about the rewards. Do we want rewards from God right? or do we want rewards from other people? And he challenges us to seek rewards from God, not from everyone else. And then we get to the passage today where, where he begins to talk about money and possessions in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you this clearly. This is not a good money management tips for healthy finances kind of message. Okay? This isn't like, oh, here's three tips to having great finances and success in life. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Because this isn't like, this isn't the way everybody is called to live. This is the way kingdom people are called to live. Is there blessing in there? Absolutely. But he's saying, listen, these are the expectations. This is normal if you're going to call yourself a follower of Christ. And I'll just say, when people start talking about money, everybody gets a little uncomfortable because don't, don't talk about my money. And we all have to say, God, give us open hands, give us open hearts to say, what do you want to do with me here this morning, all right? And so we're going to dig into this a little bit. So I want to look at the passage uh, here, and there's, there's three questions that kind of surface, come to the surface that Jesus is bringing up as we walk through this. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write a couple things down. The first question Jesus asks is this, where's your treasure? Think about it for yourself. Where's your treasure? What's the thing you treasure? Where is it at? Here's what Jesus says. He says, do not store up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Right? Saying, uh, you know, the previous passage, Jesus was talking the difference between, uh, you know, rewards here on earth and rewards in heaven. And here he kind of leads that when it comes to this whole idea of treasure. Are we treasuring what's here on earth or are we treasuring things in heaven? And Jesus is pointing out that every one of us, whether we realize it or not, there's a fork in the road before us. There's a choice that we have to make. Are we going to choose to treasure this or that? You can pour your energy and your finances and, and everything into the temporal. You can follow the wide road that everybody else does, right? And focus on the here and now like every one of us has that. That's a choice. But Jesus is just saying it's just not a very good choice. It's not the right choice. It's like McDonald's. Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. As soon as I say McDonald's, you're like, oh, double cheeseburger, right? Quarter pounder, all those fries. Let's just be honest. Isn't Coke better at McDonald's than anywhere else, right? It's just better, okay? So for some of you, you know, like you're, it's the afternoon and you're hungry, right? And you're driving, you don't got time for anything. You're like, the good news about McDonald's, there's always one within a mile of your house, like wherever, wherever you are, and it's almost always open, okay? And so you can go do that, right? I don't know if you realize this, but McDonald's isn't very good for you. And I would like to illustrate that with a picture in a moment, and before you put the picture up. So uh, Iceland shut down McDonald's about uh, 13 years ago. So yeah, somebody appreciates that. They said, you can't have McDonald's here anymore. Um, 
and they closed it. It was only three left at the time. They shut them down, okay? And somebody purchased a cheeseburger and fry, one of the very last cheeseburgers and fries, because they had always heard that they never go bad. Like, it'll literally just look the same. And currently, this cheeseburger and fry is still sitting under glass, never tampered, sitting under glass in a museum in Iceland. Here is the picture of it. This is a 13-year-old burger and fry. There's no mold. There's no, you know, degrade. Why is that? Because there's literally nothing in this that's good for you. There's not a single nutrient that a mold could even eat in this thing. It's horrible for you, okay? So they're just saying, listen, what do you think that's doing in your stomach? McDonald's is a choice for every single one of us. It's probably just not a good choice. <laughs> and what Jesus is trying to say here in this passage is, listen, you can choose to invest. Turn this off. It's making me nauseous over here now, okay? Jesus is saying, you can invest in the here and now. You just know it's not a very good investment. Like, it's not the right choice for us. There's a better decision that you can make. Every single one of us knows it because uh, you bought those shoes. You remember those shoes you bought? It's really nice shoes. You were so excited about those shoes. Oh, they're so, love these shoes. I feel good in these shoes. And now they're dirty and they stink, right? And some of you stood in line to buy that new cell phone, right? iPhone, oh, the new iPhone. It's gonna be amazing. This is the greatest. Or maybe you're one of those weird people. You like Galaxy phones. That's fine, whatever, Okay. <laughs> Whatever. But you stood in line for it. And you're like, this is going to be the greatest phone ever. And guess what? That phone is now broken or your two-year-old uses it as, as a toy. <laughs> okay? And some of you bought that car. You're like, I love this. This is my greatest car, right? And now it's a rust bucket and the thing keeps breaking down. Or you bought that. You built that house. Like you, had, you saved up finally this point in life. I can build this house. And now the roof needs to get replaced. The furnace doesn't work. Every single one of us knows what it's like to invest in the stuff that's here and now knowing that it doesn't last. And even worse is some of us are holding on to that thing that's old, broken, that we don't like anymore, and we're still making payments on it. You know what I'm saying? Like we're like, I don't even like this thing anymore, and I'm still paying for it. Okay? And Jesus is saying, listen, you can invest in the here and now. It's just not a very good investment. He gets to verse number 20. He says this. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You have another choice. Investing in the temporary is like investing McDonald's into your health. Investing in the eternal is like investing in Bitcoin in 2010. How many wish you to put $1,000 into Bitcoin a decade ago? Okay, you would be a millionaire right now. And Jesus is saying, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's a better investment out there for you. There's a better choice that you can make. I know it doesn't make sense right now. There are times where you're like, yeah, but I want to buy more things. I want to spend more. I want to just enjoy and revel in this moment here right now. He's like, yeah, you can do that. That's fine. That's a choice for you. But my kingdom people do something different because they understand there's a better option. There's an eternal option that can actually affect me for all of time. So whether it's your time, whether it's your talents, whether it's your treasure, whether it's your energy, Jesus is saying, invest them in eternal things. Invest them in things that don't go out of style, that don't wear out, that don't break down, that you don't get frustrated with, right? Those things, you don't have to keep making payments on it, right? No, invest in the things that matter. So the question is, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? You were to be honest with yourself, okay, do I treasure eternal things or do I treasure temporal things? We've got to ask ourselves. Question number two Jesus gives is this. How's your eye? How's your eye? You're like, what in the world does that mean? 
Okay, you read the passage again back in verse number 22. It says, it's the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, this passage is a little confusing in English. In our English translation, why? Because there's more going on in the text in the original Greek than what we see in our English. The word for healthy carries with it this understanding of being generous, okay? So when you have a healthy eye, that means you have a generous eye. That's what it talks about, okay? And then the same way, when it talks about being unhealthy, having an unhealthy eye, that means being stingy. That's what, that's carried along with it. So there's more going on in this text. So when Jesus is saying, listen, and I think we all recognize this, when you have a generous heart, you have a generous eye, you tend to think of others, right? There's light in you. There's life in you. You ever met a generous person, right? There's, there's just a difference. And it, on the same understanding, when you have an unhealthy eye, this stinginess, there's a darkness, there's a decay about that. And I want you to just think for a second. In your own mind, Think of somebody, very specifically, can you think of one person in your life who is generous right now? Just think about the most generous person you know. Think about them for a second. Think about that person. I know for me, somebody comes to mind. Most generous person I can think of. Right now, when you think about that person, do you think of darkness or do you think of life? I don't know about you, but I think of someone, there's light, there's joy there. I even, the person I'm thinking of, they always have a smile and they have, they have very little money but there's a joy there because they have a generous eye. And in the same way, I want you to think for a second, think about the stingiest person you know, like borderline cheap. Think of that person, all right? Be specific in your mind, okay? I would guess that there aren't a lot of great attributes that you think alongside that because that person has a tendency to be in this, this position, right? This withholding. And see, what I love about this is Jesus is talking about kingdom values, but he's also revealing something that we all instinctively know, And that's this, when there is a generousness to our hearts in the way that we live, there's goodness, there's life that flows out of people actually want to be around a generous person. But on the other side, when you think about someone who is selfish and stingy and turning inward, these people, no one wants to be around them. And the reality is, you know, when you see a person like that, they think they're helping themselves like they're thinking about themselves and they're actually killing themselves. Because they live in this world that's all closed in and it's all about them, never about anyone else. They're feeling suffocated. And, And Jesus isn't just giving kingdom value. I think he's revealing a truth for every single one of us. And we actually find this talked about in Proverbs chapter 11. I quoted this this past summer. If you want to pull this up in Proverbs chapter 11, it says this. One person gives freely, right? They give freely. They're generous. They think of others, right? Yet gains even more. There's this sense of just like, oh, there's life there. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Jesus is painting the picture of, hey, this is what my kingdom people will look like. They're not the ones that withhold. They're not the ones that are like, it's all about me and my world and my kingdom and what I've got going on. No, kingdom people are ones who say, you know what? What I have, I give. Does this mean you gotta be rich to be generous? No. Like I said earlier, some of the most generous people I know are some of the people with the least amount of money, but they have a generous eye. But I would say the other side, some of the stingiest people I know are the people with a lot of money. So it doesn't matter. But I would say this, that I also know people who are poor, who are stingy. And I know rich people who give generously. And so it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much means you have. It is how is your eye? How's your eye? Do you have a, a, a generous eye or do you have a stingy eye? Jesus is calling us to live differently. Let's get to the third question. 
Third question is this, who's your master? Who's your master? Look what it says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In this little uh, sentence here is the, the culmination of what Jesus is getting at throughout all this. Here's what Jesus is saying. You'll either treasure God and reflect his kingdom, or you will treasure money and reflect the world. That's the choice. That's what you're going to do. You can't be devoted to both. And, and this word serve, you know, at the beginning it says, uh, no one can serve two masters. This word serve, that's a, that still is a very soft interpretation of that word. The more literal is you cannot be a slave to two masters. Thus the word master being used there. Like that's uncomfortable. Yeah, you're going to be a slave to something is what Jesus is saying. You're either going to be a slave to God, you're going to submit your life to him, you're going to give everything to him, or you're going to be a slave to money. You will. And he's just saying, what do you want to be slave to? What do you want to, what do you want to surrender your life to? And, and this is a challenge for us because uh, does it mean that you can have no money? No. Here's what it means. It means your money can't have you. And I think for a lot of us, we get uncomfortable because we realize, man, my money, I, everything in my life is determined. I, I need more. I mean, more. This is the thing that's going to satisfy. This is the thing that's going to fill me. But God's saying, listen, if you're going to be mine, you're going to be my kingdom people, right? You're going to be slave to me, then even your money has to be submitted to me. We don't get to have this area of our life where we say, hey, all this, God, I give it for you. It's all for you, except for this one area of my life. I'm going to keep that to myself. Jesus is saying, no, my kingdom people, it's all mine. You serve me, right? There's something that I have for you. There's a, a commentary by Steve McKnight on, on the Sermon on the Mount. I love this. And there's a quote I want to pull up real quick. And he says this, if the kingdom vision of Jesus doesn't reshape our approach to possessions and money, then we are not living out the kingdom vision. And I want you to chew on that one for a second. Because this is challenging. Because everything Jesus is talking about when it comes to money flies in the face of what our culture says. Like everything you have been taught, everything you've been fed, everything you watch, everything you listen to, every music, every movie, what doesn't matter what, everything in your world is flying in the face of this. Because everything says it's all about the money. It's all, seek more money. That's your fulfillment. That's the thing that's going to be your source, right? It's all about possessions. The thing, every commercial is, they're not there because they're like, oh, you have enough stuff. You don't need to buy more things. No, that's not why we have commercials, we have commercials because we already have too much stuff and they have to convince us we need more. That's what a commercial is. Because if we already needed it, we would have already gone and bought it. But they're saying, no, no, you need more. This is the thing in your life. And Jesus is saying, no, I've got a different way for you. So the question is, who's your master? Who's your master? Is it money or is it God? And so I, I want to get to the end of our uh, message here, and uh, I want to go to one more verse. There's one verse that I kind of jumped over, and, I, and it's honestly, is the, to me, is the core verse here in this whole section. If you look with me in uh, verse number 21, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I want to get to our big so what. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you fell asleep while I was talking, wake yourself up. Here we go. Your money is a map and a magnet. Your money is a map and a magnet. What do I mean? Your money is a map. If you want to know what has your heart, follow your money. 
Every single one of them. You want to know what matters to you? Go get your bank account, and I'll tell you what it is. The things that get your money are the things that matter most to you. We always pour. It's the same with our time. A lot of us think like, I don't know. You spend time on what matters to you. If it really mattered, you'd make time for it. And so you can say, oh, I, I really want to work out. Well, if you don't make time for it, you don't really want to work out. You think you want to work out, but you don't really want to work out. Every one of us will make time for what matters. And the same thing is true with our money. Whatever matters gets our money. We have a tendency toward that, okay? And so your money is a map. We can say we love Jesus, that we live for him, that he is our Lord, that he is in control, that we've submitted all things to him, but your money doesn't lie. And so we have to look at our money. We have to look at the resources, the things God's put into our hands and, and, and recognize that's telling us what's really important. It's telling us whether we're investing in eternal things or whether we're investing only in temporal things. It will tell us your money is a map. But the second part I love even more, and it's this, is that your money is a magnet. Your money is also a magnet. What does it say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, your money, right? Your money uh, leads you, right? Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart will follow your money. Your money points, but it also leads. Your money is an indicator, but it also has influence in your life. The things that you invest in are like a magnet for your heart. And I think this is good news. I'll illustrate this for a second. Uh, some of you, for a long time, you didn't give a rip about the stock market. You never cared. Dow, what? I don't know. Nah, I don't know. You didn't care about it. But then one day, you invested some money. And suddenly, you started caring. You started paying attention a little bit. You're like, oh, it's going up. It's going down. It mattered. Why? Because you were invested. And I think a lot of times, we struggle. You say, Greg, Greg, but I don't really, I don't really, I'm not that passionate about eternal things. Like, I'm not, like, I, I would give if I was more passionate. I'm like, you're, you're not passionate because you aren't invested. When we begin to invest, suddenly, I see that happen in church world all the time. Guess what? The people who are most passionate about being a part of this church are the ones who are invested in this church, right? They're the ones that are serving and are involved and pouring out and leading and guiding, doing all those kind of things, right? But the people who just kind of show up here and there or whatever, you're not, all, you're not invested, so you're not that passionate. That's fine. See, this is what God is calling us. If we will begin to invest in the eternal things, if we will begin to put our resources into things that matter, God says, what will happen? Our hearts will begin to grow in those areas. And those areas right now that feel like they're cold in our heart, God begins to birth something in us. And the most generous people, the one who want to give more, are the ones oftentimes who are already giving. Right? When I'm going to take an offering in two weeks. I guarantee you the biggest offerings are going to come from the people who've already been giving all year long. Why? Because their hearts are invested. Because they know that they're invested in things that are eternal. They've been giving all year long because this stuff matters. This stuff is going to last. It's not temporal. It's not going to go bad. It's not going to break. It's not going to get lost. No, this stuff matters. And Jesus is saying, that's how my kingdom is. My kingdom people are not the people who hold back and say, it's all about what I got going on. No, it's the people who lean in. We say, God, how can I be a part of what you're doing? Your God. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are the one that I'm here to serve. But they're also the people that understand they're still getting the better end of the deal. There's a story that Jesus tells. It's a parable. Some of you may be familiar with this. It's a really short one. He says, the kingdom of God's like this. And he tells a little story. So there's a guy, he's walking through a field. He's walking through this field and he stumbles upon treasure in this field. It's like unbelievable. There's an unimaginable amount of value to this treasure that he finds. 
And he, and he thinks to himself, well, he can't take it because that would be stealing. So what does he do? Digs a big old hole and he buries the treasure straight into the ground, covers it all up. And then it says that he goes home and he sells everything he has. Literally everything he owns, he liquidates, get rid of all, let's sell all this stuff. And then he takes the money and he goes and buys the field where the treasure was at. Why? Because he knew what was in that field is worth more than everything that he owns. Far more valuable than anything else. But what I love about the story is what Jesus doesn't tell. (laughs) Because think about it for a second. Because I think we can relate to this. Think about all the people who watched him sell everything he had. What do you think they were thinking? This guy's an idiot. What is this crazy dude? He's selling everything he has. How stupid is he? Like, that's not, like, you're, you're getting rid, you, no, you should be, have your nice house, do your stuff, invest in the things right, no, what are you doing? You're crazy. He's lost it. But they had no idea he was making the better deal. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into, to say, could we begin to have a different perspective in the way that we relate to our money and our stuff? This isn't a like, hey, be better Christians and give more. That's not what it is. It's would we, as kingdom people, invest in the right things? Would we invest in eternal things? And it's giving our, like us, it's saying, okay, God, I'm gonna put my finances before you and your Lord over that too. And as you lead and guide, can we be submitted to that? And I'll tell you, I struggle with it just like all of you. Because guess what? The world is very tempting. (laughs) And there are plenty of things that I'd love to buy. And it's saying, God, can we have hearts submitted? Would we make the right investment in this world? But again, Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Because what does it say in Hebrews chapter 12? It says this, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, Jesus didn't go to the cross because it's fun to go to a cross. It's horrible. It's the worst thing that you could imagine. Why did he go to the cross? Because he knew what it would reap. He knew what would eventually come. And it was a salvation of you and me. Our God in heaven gave everything that he had for our benefit. And when he comes to us, he's not saying, go do something unlike me. He says, go reflect what I've done already for you. Would you go give? Would you think of the world as I, would you make the right investment? Would you think eternal, not temporal? Would you allow this whole idea not to just be some nice little theological conversation? Because it's easy to talk theological about this, but could it actually affect your life tomorrow? in the way that you relate to money, the way that we relate to possessions, the way that we invest. God, could we have that kind of a heart to us, okay? So I wanna give us an opportunity to respond and allow God to to speak to us. And so I would invite you uh, just to bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. And uh, this is just a a moment for you to have a moment with God on your own. I think all of us need to have that moment to say, God, uh, I don't know, we're all probably in a different place when it comes to this conversation. God, where am I at? When I think about it, Lord, you know, where is my treasure? Is it here? How is my eye? Am I operating with a generous heart, Lord? Am I reflecting your character? Because you're generous. Like, God so loved the world that he gave. That's who you are. Is that how I'm living my life? And, uh, Lord, ultimately, are you my master? Are you the one that gets control? Or am I still saying, you know what? I'm still going to call the shots in this area of my life. Lord, we come to you right now and we just ask you to help us. God, help us to see more clearly, Lord, 
what you're calling us to. Help us to see what it is you're asking of us, Lord. God, I pray that we wouldn't have a position of uh, doing things our way, but we would have a position of saying, God, we want to do things your way. We want to live your way. We want to reflect your goodness and your power, God. And at the end of the day, it's the better deal. It's a way better deal to invest in eternity than it is right now. So would you guide us, Lord? Just feel prompted to do this right now with your every head bow, every eye close. It's possible you're here this morning and uh, maybe you're with us online and you've not made the right deal. You've been living your life for you. Jesus told that story of the treasure because he understood that living for God's kingdom is more valuable than anything else. And uh, Jesus came, we talked about earlier, he came and, and gave his life on a cross so that we could receive that new eternal life that we could turn away from the old way of doing things and surrender to him and receive a brand new life. And some of you, maybe you walked in the door this morning and you're like, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. I've never surrendered my life to God. I don't think if if I were to die today, I I would not be in God's kingdom. That's not how I've been living my life. And and this morning, you wanna respond to Christ. You wanna surrender your life to Christ and experience that brand new life. If you want to make the change, you want to get sell off everything else so you can have the treasure that lasts forever. If that's you this morning, would you just lift a hand across the room and say, that's me. I want to submit my life to Jesus. Yeah. 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 I'm going to give a moment. Yeah. There's a few of you that have your hands raised. If there's anyone else, I want to give you a moment to do that. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you right now, you lifted a hand or uh, maybe you're still just wrestling with God in your own heart. I just want you to pray a prayer in your own heart, uh, just like what I'm praying right now. And would you just do this from your heart and respond to him on your own? Jesus, I admit that I'm a sa- that I'm broken, that I'm a sinner, that I need you. And God, I, I need you to be my savior. I I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and rose again and I, I want to surrender to him completely. And so I confess my sin. I ask that you would come and wash me clean, make me new, and I help me to live for you. And God, I, re- I receive of the, the new life that you have for me and I step into that, God, and I pray that you'd help me to live out this journey of faith day after day, live for you, Jesus. God, I want to sell everything I got and buy the field that, that matters. I want the treasure that lasts for all of eternity. So God, I give my life to you today. Pray that in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Would you stand with me across the room? Hey, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you respond, there was a number of you that had your hand raised that you want to respond to Jesus. That is the greatest decision you could ever make. Congregation, can we give it up for those who responded to Christ this morning? We love you. We're with you. We want to support you on that journey. And so if you would, can you put up a QR code on the screen? Uh, We've got a QR code. This will be up at the end of service as well. I'm just going to ask you, if you made a decision, would you scan this and let us know? Because why? Because we want to give you some resources. We want to support you on the journey of faith. You can't do it on your own. You can't do this thing by yourself. You need the body around you. And we want to be that for you. We want to help come around you, okay? This will come up again in a moment. But before we leave, I want to leave a challenge for everybody. And this is going to be one, a really practical challenge for every single one of us. Can you put up the challenge here for today? And it's this. This week, would you research your financials from last month? Maybe you need to go to your bank statement. You need to go online and just look. Survey where your money went last month. 
Just survey. You don't have to do anything about it. Just survey it and say, what does that tell you? As you look over that, what does that tell you? Remember, because your money is a map, but I want to challenge you that your money is also a magnet for your heart. And so if you don't like what you are seeing with your finances, begin to make a change. Begin to invest in the things that matter. Begin to sow into the things that are eternal. And watch God begin to do something in your heart. I believe he will, all right? If you're on a prayer team, I'm gonna invite you forward. Would you come on up here? If you have a need, you need somebody to pray with, please come do that. If you made a decision to follow Christ and you just want somebody to pray with you, come down here. The team wants to pray with you. Otherwise, you guys, uh, remember out in the lobby, we've got our Speed the Light stuff going on and we'd love for you to support our kids. They're making an impact around the world. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Do not miss next Sunday. I know it's a message we need. And we got baptisms going on. It's gonna be a fun day.